0: Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and welcome to a beautiful Monday to a spectacular fellowship of believers. It's so nice to be with you after the weekend. I hope you had a great weekend, and a special welcome to anyone who has just maybe stumbled upon Faith Radio and is just trying to get to know us a little bit. We're so absolutely thrilled that you're here. I hope you are uh, sticking around for a while because you're going to learn a lot of things about Jesus and you're going to hopefully hear a lot of love and grace during these two hours. That's my hope. Anyway, we've got a great show. Patrick Albanese is going to be joining me in just a second. Then the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles is bringing in a special guest today. I'm looking forward to that. And then Todd Mulligan is going to be with me in the second hour. That's what's planned. But as I was talking to Patrick Albany's agent today, he said Patrick wasn't available, but he made available Patrico Albanicio. So he's uh, <laughs> his stand-in double today. Patricio, welcome.
1: Thank you from the both of us actually.
0: You sound a lot like the other guy.
1: I yeah, well uh yeah, I am I, I look a lot like him too. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I am well rested Good. and ready for a nap. You, That's what I Yeah. Say.
0: Yeah, you are uh, a second nap away from a perfect day.
1: I second nap. I take it back. I'm uh, <laughs> I didn't realize it was only two that was allowed. Was there a limit on those naps, by the there, way? There should be no more than
0: two. If you want my personal uh, opine.
1: You know, th- there was always something neat. Uh, you've had uh, jobs in your life, gigs as uh, this, Most those of us my in life the biz. Has been so, gigs. Sometimes call them has been gigs, and and often they take place at night, and so. Uh, there, there's good and bad that comes with it. Of course, the the good is you have your days free, and so uh, you know if you need to go to the, depending on where you live, the Department of Motor Vehicles or the <laughs> Department of Transportation, yeah. you, know, you know, to get a license or something, you can always pick that. You go, I'll go up Monday at uh, ten o'clock. There will be nobody there because mm-hmm. I have my days free, yep. and uh, I can take a couple of naps throughout the day because I have my days free, <laughs> and then everybody you know that needs something done says. Call Bill because he's got his days <laughs> free.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can you help me move that couch at 10 a.m. Monday?
1: Come on. I know you don't have anything going right, on. Right. You work at night.
0: Uh, Ride right oh, to the airport, so... 1130 p.m. That's usually what it happens.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or even they say, "Look, you can do the five a.m. ride to the airport because you have your days free right. to take a nap." Right. You know. Yeah. So uh, that was the it was a mixed blessing. Yeah. You had your days free, which was wonderful, and everybody around you knew it. So
0: uh, all right, let's start with a, let's start with a little fun today. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Tyler Gilbert. You got to love this guy. All right, he has been in the m- minor leagues. Uh, baseball for I think five or six years he was thinking about working as a mechanic and just scrapping baseball altogether and then he got a his first ever big league start uh for the Arizona Diamondbacks and for the first time in sixty eight years he threw a no hitter in his initial big league start.
1: I think he's a keeper I'm just gonna put that' <laughs> I'm gonna put that out there. Well, I would I would argue that he is a mechanic. Because yes. it was mechanics precision.
0: Yeah. And I I uh, called him, and I was going to give him your slot today, but he said no.
1: Right. Yeah, so don't I'm, take it personally. I'm, guess, I'm just... Well, I'm going to guess that you didn't even get that far. <laughs> <laughs> because he and I have the same agent. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. You called me on it. Thank you for doing I that. Did. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, yeah, and of course... You know, it's, it's funny how you like, like you want to go to a baseball game, let's say, and uh, you, you want to see a bunch of home runs. But uh, if you were to go to a game where the final score was one to nothing and it was a no hitter uh, for the winning team, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put that out there for, for those who might not be baseball literate. <laughs> but uh, you say that was it. That was it. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, a, a guy hit a single, somebody hit a double, and that run scored, and then the other team got nothing. Uh, normally, you would say, well, I wanted to see a bunch of hits. I wanted to see balls going out of the park. I wanted to catch something out here in the bleachers. But then you would walk away from this game that had next to no hits, you know, maybe only two hits on one side and zero on the other. And say, it was the best baseball game I've ever seen in my life. But nothing happened that I had expected or wanted initially. I got something else. And it was a wonderful surprise.
0: Yeah, it was um. There was also that Canadian swimmer, and I can't think of her name right now. I put it in my easy go-to file to talk to Patrick about. Now I can't find it. She Googled her name, and it turns out she is the most meddled, uh swimmer in Canada's history. And her teacher said, you need to give up swimming because it has no future. Yes, I love stories any, like that.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I wish I had stories like that. I, <laughs> I often, do too. I often listen to that teacher's advice and, okay, I should quit. You got it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> You're the expert, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're my teacher. I look up to you. Oh, there's always, it's Penny. I, I can't pronounce the last name, and if I had some glasses, I could read it. Hang on. Did you find it? Yeah. Oh, Alexiac?
0: Oh, I think that's right. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. What a great story. And and she has a, a a sense of humor about it, too. Hey, look at that. Yeah, who would have thought? You know, I know. Well, and you know, it's interesting that you would even need to Google your own name to kind of know that. You know, I mean, was Penny looking around the room saying, just how many medals do I have?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure seems like a lot.
2: Yeah. Look at that trophy
1: yeah. case. Well, I have two trophy cases. Yeah. I You know what? Let me look it up. Google. Google. I just Googled. Who's, who's got... I just
0: Googled Canada's most decorated Olympian and my name came up. I want to thank that teacher in high school who told me to stop swimming, to focus on school because swimming wouldn't get me anywhere. This is what dreams are made of.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, it's uh, somebody could still say, I, I, I remember, you know, my mom wanted me to be an accountant. Uh, I had a, a gift with numbers. My My father was an accountant and she's, you know, thought that's a nice, safe thing and then you pick the entertainment business for uh, somebody who's sort of accountant minded. Um, and, and, and mom was always just uneasy with it, very uncomfortable with it. She decided just, you know, how does it work? And and even when I was working a lot and doing well, she says, right, but then what? I said, well, I, I, you know, <laughs> gosh, anything, you know, accounting could end. And so, Uh, To put her at ease sometimes, I I would talk about, well, maybe I'll go into producing some of these shows. And she says, well, that sounds like a good, safe, normal job. I said, that's the only thing more volatile than being in the shows (laughs) 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 is producing them. But uh, it put her at ease just because it sounded like Like, a a normal thing. She just couldn't grasp. Yeah, like a business. It sounded like a business. Yeah. Yeah. an incredibly risky business, yeah. uh, 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 much more risky than, you know, it's say like if you're producing a show, that's kind of the thing you're watching over. If it doesn't go, uh, well, you could lose everything. And if you're a performer in shows, well, you can kind of just go to the next show. If one fails, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're not out on the street. You just go get into another show. It's, I mean, not that simple, but, uh, yeah, she just, she liked the sound of it. Um, and I get that as, as my kids, my son turns 11 tomorrow and my daughter who's 12, you know, she's got showbiz dreams. We tried. We really tried. <laughs> it's like, no, no, not show business. Something else. You're so good at something. You can bake. You can make cupcakes. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're not going to discourage anybody from yeah. anything, you know, and and it's like, well, it's it's worked out OK. My wife and I are both kind of in the business. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, there will be people that say. Uh, I'm sure you might have experienced it too. You know, when you were younger, saying, "What are you thinking of doing?" Because I don't, I don't see that happening for mm-hmm. you.
0: Yeah, my um, mom was very, very gracious about the whole thing. She was, well, well good for you. But I think she secretly yeah. she was sweating a little bit. Right. Yeah.
1: Was she the one that kept dropping those 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 pamphlets for engineering school <laughs> in your backpack?
0: <laughs> no. Like, Where did no. this come from? Yeah. Oh, so I, Patrick, I should I good. should know this about you because we're good friends. But do you suffer from any allergies? Yes. Okay, because I Uh, just got some allergy medication. I'm going to try it, and it's like one word, and it's got like 17 consonants in it, so I can't pronounce it, but I saw it advertised, and it's over-the-counter, but I'm more disturbed, I think, when I see drugs that are advertised. Ask your doctor about this. Shouldn't the doctors be evaluating these drugs, and then you go into the doctor, and the doctor then suggests what would be best for you?
1: Yeah, I I often ask my doctor, and she sometimes says, well, what did the TV commercial say? (laughs) I said, like, well, you know, it uh, had a lot of warnings, especially you know they put all those disclaimers. Uh, that that often, when I see a commercial anymore, I'm I say, whatever that drug does, I hope I don't ever need it because it appears that the cure is worse than the disease that it's supposed to help with.
0: Some of the side uh, effects of some of these meds are kind of scary.
1: Yeah, and and I understand that it could be you know just one or two you know potential people or one or two people potentially they, that might have had the side effects, but they have to list it. But it seems like it's always the same side effects, you know, rash, bleeding, and death. It's just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, uh, you, 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 they, they say they list sometimes today. other things. We're going to try to stay yeah.
0: positive. Remember I said let's stay positive.
1: Well, okay. That's, I'm just, a, <laughs> it's a little too late for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, that ship well, has I sailed. took some allergy medic. That was a side effect from the allergy medication was the negative attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains a lot. Yeah. But, but I, else? you know, in, yeah, I just had some allergies and uh didn't even know it. Yeah. Didn't even know what it was. And of course,
0: no. then I sent you that uh, woman, the 100-year-old woman who set a, a powerlifting record, set a world record in powerlifting. She took up powerlifting when she was 91.
1: I you know, that Did you did you watch that video I sent you? I haven't watched the oh, video so you, yet. I, Remember how we talk about show prep? Uh, yeah, we we talk about <laughs> it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, you wanted me to actually do something? Yes. You know what it is? Is you you sent it to me at I I believe I was driving at okay. the time. Okay. Okay. And I uh, I was watching a different video. It wasn't about safety. No, no. It's uh uh I didn't watch it. And there it is. And then you sent me a few other things about other show prep. That's true. Which of course pushed the uh, 100-year-old great-grandma setting a, she set a world record, but it's kind of, I'm assuming that category was sort of (laughs) empty.
0: I don't think there's a lot of competition at 100 for the world weightlifting uh, title, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think if she picked up a broom handle and lifted it, they'd say, that's it, nobody has ever done that.
0: (laughs) But the interview is uh, really good. I mean, she is really sharp.
1: Well, no, so you and I, we lift weights. Um, and, uh, of course over the years, you know, we've had various times we lifted heavier weights, lighter weights. And as we get older, we aren't as strong as we used to be, but we do see that you say, well, it's, you know, it's, you've been holding back for me. Is this, I didn't know that
0: you're getting stronger. Oh." Oh no. It's really time to go to break. No, no, go ahead. Finish.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's when you see these things, it is a motivator that even if you're maybe not as strong as you used to be to keep on going, because when you see somebody who's still sharp, still together and can still get up a flight of stairs at a hundred.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They say, that's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. That's a worthy goal. All
1: right. Patrick Albanese is my guest as
0: we get this Monday started. We've got a great show coming up. Uh, Monday afternoon mix is coming up in just 15 minutes. And then a whole hour with Todd Mulligan. That's all still ahead. We'll take a short break and be right back with lots more Patrick.
3: If you had one,
0: do why? If I had a brain, I could, I could while away the hours, and with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching. If I only had a brain, welcome back to the show. Patrick Albanese is my guest. Uh, over the weekend, Patrick and I were chatting briefly about kind of the way people used to do business with a good old handshake and a person's word. And that was all you needed.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, your, your handshake was your bond, was your, uh, was was your word. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we'll watch that old show 24. We'll call it old now. Cause it's been around a while. And, uh, I always see like the main character is always saying, you know, I promise you have my word. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that, you know, every now and then it doesn't work out, but um, yeah, there was one character that says, I, you know, a bad guy who said, here's what you're going to do for me. And you're going to, I know I can trust you. How do you, and, and, and the main character says, Oh how do you know? I'm not just going to, you know, kill you. And the other guy says, cause you're going to give me a word. And I know what that means to you. Right. And, and you go "So even as much as you, as you despise me, if you give me a word that you won't harm me, I'll believe you. And uh, it's I, I loved that. My voice saw that moment recently, and I said, "Gosh, that's pretty powerful. That's a pretty powerful word." It you is can trust somebody that deeply. How about, how
0: about the Four Seasons? They made a, a handshake deal on royalties.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Frankie Valley and uh, Bob, uh, Bob the other guy, Bob,
0: Bob Guardio. Yes. Yeah.
1: I mean, the initial uh, arrangement was, "Hey, uh, okay, we're writing these songs together. Uh, all right, you, we'll just how we." Split them on, say, 50-50 kind of thing. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Shake on it. Never had a contract. And that was, never had, they've never had a paper contract. That's yep. been almost 60 years. There's never been a dispute. There's never anybody, you know, coming up and saying, hey, I don't, you know, why aren't you mm-hmm. uh, giving me more? I think that song of mine did a little bit better. And, uh, okay, big deal. You got that falsetto thing. Anybody could do that. You know, uh, no, nah, nothing. They've stuck by the arrangement for 60 years. Not a question. Uh, wouldn't it be nice to get back to that?
0: Uh, I believe it would. I really do. It'd be awfully nice. I I love when I see people do generous things for people. I was reminded of the great Harper Lee story. Um, In 1949, she moved to New York, took a job. I think she worked at a bookstore. Then she worked as an airline reservation agent. And she was writing in her spare time. She published some long stories. And finally, her little uh, brownstone community said, we're giving you as a Christmas present a year's wages with this note, you have one year off from your job to write whatever you please. Merry Christmas. She wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> That'll work.
1: <laughs> Which, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, did she have any of it done ahead of time? No. That's an amazing accomplishment. I know. And that thing, well, I don't you know, know it
0: only sold 30 million copies. I don't, I don't know if it's considered a success.
1: Not by today. Yeah, I guess it, that's a, it's, it's the platinum, yeah. isn't it? Well, yeah. Alexander that's... Hamilton is, is 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 an orphan in the Caribbean. And the local townspeople see that he seems to have this gift for writing, so they gather up money and say, "Here, <clears throat> get on that boat, go to New York, and uh, see how the the new world works out for you." And it's just you know, people said, "Yeah, we put we put together a little bit of money, and why don't you go to America? Because you're you're just such a good writer, and it seems like you have a lot to say." And then he came and he changed the course of history in our country, and you know, was one of the the founding fathers. And you think, "Wow, that's a." Pretty amazing little story, and mm-hmm. a, that was the generosity of the people around him that saw uh, a, a spark. I mean, I you know, I'd be curious, the people that, you know, were friends of Harper Lee, uh, were they reading these short stories saying, these are pretty good. <laughs> really? <laughs> I really like this Boo Radley character. Is there a <laughs> way you could, could you expand that character a little
0: yeah. bit? You know who introduced that character was Truman Capote. Really? Yeah, they were lifelong friends.
1: No kidding. yeah. yeah
0: but the point so that
1: the, yeah, the Mr. Point that, Robinson yeah oh go ahead i'm sorry oh, no
0: no the point that patrick and i are trying to get to is the power of affirmation and the power of saying whatever happens in my life whatever obstacles come my way i can overcome those yes because i know i know that my faith in the lord will sustain me through all circumstances
1: how many times do you have to land on your feet when you thought you wouldn't uh, before you start to say, why, why, why wh- is, is there actually, you know, are there forces out there looking out for me? This can't just be coincidence mm-hmm. that, uh, and, and and oftentimes, as you know, it happens uh, when you, you say, well, this is a, an incredible bad turn for the worse for me. And maybe it's years before you look back at that one moment and say, oh, yeah, that was when God was just pu- pushing me in a different direction. Maybe, maybe my attention was needed. Uh, you know, I don't know. Or maybe that was just God doing his thing where he says, you know, I, whenever you're ready for me, I'm here. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we go through things, you know, they often say that, uh, you know, the, I was telling my kids this, in fact, we were driving and we were in the car so much. So we, we talked to each other. It was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we were talking about how you know, uh, they, they visited a uh, – took a tour of a woman's prison. And they were asking about people being in prison and then you know, we talked about how sometimes people in prison you – know, some people will mock them because they say that's you – know, oh, yeah, sure, they, found, they find God in prison. And I said very often it's at the bottom when you've exhausted every other human possibility when you've tried all of your tricks and all of the things that you can do to convince yourself that you got it, that you can control it, that you can make it all happen, that when you hit that bottom, that's when you turn to God and say, I need you. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. He says, yes. it's a Welcome. Gift. Yeah. He says, I'm here.
0: Yeah. And scripture, yeah, I, every, almost every page of scripture has a suffering person writing to other suffering people.
1: Well, you know, nobody wants to—it's You know, it's just like you, you read about how a movie is written. They say, you know, uh, here's how the movie starts. Here's Joe. Something happens. Joe changes. Joe becomes a better person. The end. And because, uh, uh, as David Mamet, the great writer, would say, he says, nobody wants to watch a movie of somebody going through an ordinary day in their life. Hmm. And, and I would say that, you know, who's going to read a story in the Bible that says, you know, here's—pick uh, a name, you know, Jehoshaphat the third, Right. Uh, and nothing happened. Right. You know, he was born to a good life and everything went his way and he lived, uh, 810 years. And then that was it. Mm -hmm. And his kids loved him and nothing went wrong. And he didn't ever have to overcome anything. And you look at that, you'd say, well, you know, those stories uh, aren't included. I'm sure there were plenty of them, but, but God wants us to understand, you know, it's like, there are people like you from the beginning and I've helped them. I can help them overcome these things just like I can help you. And here are their stories. There's a lot of them.
0: Yeah. Some author said that when there were angelic appearances, you never heard the angel say, eh, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's cool. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. There's always Boy, the declaration, was... <laughs> declaration of yeah. some big news.
1: If anybody was on the right track, it's you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you know, so Saul gets struck blind, and you know, you say, "Well, that's an attention getter, isn't it?"
0: Yeah, as you that's know, Patrick, I've been in about eighty prisons across the U.S. Oftentimes as a volunteer, but you get <laughs> uh, you you get behind those bars and you hear them close, and you hear the first set of doors close, and the second set of doors close. And you think you hear that little quiet voice of God saying, do I have your attention now? Yes. And you realize well, you it, can't walk out of there for years.
1: Oh, boy, because I've been in Joliet, which is, you know, a maximum security. Uh, it's it's a big deal. And after you go through all the various things you have to go through and, yeah, they got that little cage where you go through the one door right. and then it closes behind right. it, and the other door and then. And I remember, you know, you'd seen on TV and people talk through the glass and I'm going to visit my, my brother was in there at the time. And then we're just sitting down in a cafeteria and there's prisoners all over the place with the per- person. I said, where's the glass thingy with the phone? You know, with the, the little speaker box. <laughs> hey, he, he goes, it's not like that. I go, so this is a maximum security federal prison. Who's in here? Murderers, rapists and drug dealers. Mm-hmm. So, so that guy over there goes, eh, it's a murderer. And I thought, I'm just hanging out. I go, I'm right by that guy. Yeah. And and he says he goes, That man over there that you're looking at will never leave this I place. Know.
0: I've met many Ever. of those guys. Yeah.
1: All right. Well I think you started on
0: a positive note for sure.
1: We, I, well, I'll leave on a negative note just for the people who have been signed up for it. My seminar on how to cure sickness with the power of your mind has been postponed due to illness.
0: So, <laughs> All um... right. We'll catch up next week. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. Patrick Albanese has been my friend and guest to get things started on this Monday. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, the Monday afternoon mix is going to start with uh, Pastor David Miles, Rosie B. And we've got a special guest, Lori Besson, in today. We'll be right back. It is the Monday Afternoon
2: Mix. Monday, Monday, Monday.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: We're doing a little bit of extra special today. We've got Pastor David Miles, who is the pastor at New Hope Church uh, in New Hope, Minnesota, and also adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern and Rosie B., of course, uh, who produces the show. And we have a special guest today, too, as we continue our Sermon on the Mount discussion.
2: We do, and I'm really excited because in the Sermon on the Mount, we've been digging into God's Word, and one of the things that we love here uh, on the Monday Afternoon Mixon at KTIS is that we love the Word of God. It is so rich. It's so powerful, Um, and I'm super excited today to have Lori Bessonen with us from the Village School of the Bible, which is here in the Twin Cities, and they cover a lot of wonderful things. They have a thing called Cover to Cover, which she'll share more about, which really helps people understand God's Word. And I think it's critical because in our kind of bite-sized, kind of, you know, taking little pieces without understanding the larger context, Um, you know, it's really key for us to have a good understanding and look at God's Word. So, Lori, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Thanks. I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks.
2: And, Lori, it sounds like you really want to help us all
0: with biblical literacy.
4: Yeah, um, the increase of biblical literacy is just astounding. And only one, only 20% of Americans have read through the whole Bible once. And when you think about how many percentage of Americans claim to be believers, it's astonishing that we just haven't done that. We just haven't even read the whole book.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: and the, and the data about how many homes own a Bible... And several Bibles, several translations. Yet, um, I think it—you know—is it like eight, eight minutes people will spend within the Bible a day, if that? Wow! Yeah, something that was data from Jeff Verdorn.
4: Oh,
0: yeah. super! Yeah. We're One, pulling in the most, all the resources today. I, well,
3: yeah, he's not even
4: in the room, <laughs> but I remember him yeah. saying that. Thank you, Jeff. Hope Ooh. he's listening. Yeah. One of the most encouraging statistics that I read is 58% of Americans wish that they could study the Bible more, including 22% of them that are skeptics.
3: Mm. Ooh.
4: Wow. Ooh, that's yeah. super. So
3: that's a huge opportunity. Do they say why they don't? Nope. Because
0: nope. they haven't tuned into Faith Radio. That's right. That's and it. Afternoons with Bill.
2: That's all it. right.
0: And then Monday-Afternoon Mix.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think one of the things is we're seeing people have an increase of um, interest in spiritual things. And uh, one guy named Doug Paul had wrote a thing on the 10 kind of future predictors of the church, and he said that there was going to be an evangelistic explosion from two unlikely places. The first wave was going to focus on people already seeking something, and they'll come from the modern movement of hyperspirituality. And then the second one was those seeking to uh solve a great individual problem that will come from people suffering from various things, and it's you know maybe it's just me I think there's been a couple of things lately that can relate to that,
3: yeah, one or two, one or two, one or two, yeah, everybody thought it was going to be just twenty twenty it's eked into twenty twenty one
2: yeah, it really has, and you know yeah. rosie b like we we love um seeing people experience the transformation of Christ and in sharing the gospel which we do here it's been interesting you know sometimes walking through the gospel like through Romans uh, 623 for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus and having conversations with people it's it's really interesting when someone says hey wait a minute um isn't there like you know something about covering the door with a with the lamb's blood and like and so the various like bits and pe- pieces that people sometimes have about God's word but not seeing the overall picture, uh, I think it provides a great opportunity for us to share and to delve with more people into the Word of God.
4: Yeah, I think one of the things that makes believers uncomfortable is that they don't really understand how the New Testament is the foundation of the, of the Old Testament is the foundation of the new, and how often Jesus is promised, or God the Son is promised as the coming Messiah through promises and covenants, through images and symbols. And as you learn all that and grow in it, you, you just get a confidence in your faith and you're able to share it much more vibrantly because you have confidence that the God of the Old Testament is
2: really the God of the New yeah, you know, Lori, that's a great point because we read Scripture, and when Jesus says to like to the Pharisees, "You neither know the Scriptures or the power of God," mm, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. So, <laughs> what is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to the Old Testament.
0: That's a great, uh, great point, and a great reminder for all of us that as we're going to be studying coming up in the fall. Great um, uh, characters of the Old Testament. We're going to learn about them almost like a Sunday school class, we're, you know, because when we think about people in the Old Testament, how well and can we speak on them? How much, how well do we understand them? The answer is for a lot of believers, we, we might know Moses and David and
2: little Solomon on the side, but who knows what else? Yeah, Bill, that's that's a fascinating point, and there is kind of a, a historical cultural reason to that as well um, that we we can unpack at another time. You know, what's what's fascinating about it though is God is. In his love, and we 've talked about the authority of god's word has given us his sixty six books um, general revelation, we walk to the Grand Canyon, we look, and we are like, "Wow god you're amazing, special revelation revealed in his Son Jesus, and through this eternal word and I think it's it's something really, really powerful that we seek to do here. Lori, you guys seek to do it at village school, the Bible. Can you share a little bit more about what you guys do there
4: yeah we assist churches in their discipleship programs. So we bring in teachers that are very qualified and there are 16 weeks of Old Testament where a person will read the whole Old Testament and come to a class twice, I mean, two hours, uh, once a week, and then write a paper on reflections from and also specific um questions to answer on that particular book or the several books of the Bible that you've read and studied that evening. So honestly, people who we have um taught this way, this method cover to cover for for 38 years and there's been 7,000 people that have been through the program and very many 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 say it revolutionized their their beliefs and their the way they know Jesus love Jesus talk about Jesus has changed as a result of taking the cover to cover class. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's think of, let's talk about Deuteronomy 32:47 before Moses died and while he was closing out his public ministry he gave Israel a powerful exhortation take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today which you shall command your sons to observe carefully. Even all the words of this law, for it is not an idle word—an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life.
2: Hmm. That's that's uh
0: that's right from VillageSchoolOfTheBible.org.
4: <laughs> yeah, great reminder.
2: I love it. Amen. Yeah. I love it. And for the people listening who've done to growing up as kids, you know, being a workmen who need not be ashamed, rightfully mm-hmm. handling and dividing the word of truth. And so, listen, we we need this encouragement at so many different levels and from so many different people and groups as we as we do community together. Um, this past week, we dropped DJ off at college and uh, wow, su- super excited for him, super excited what God's going to do in his life. And, you know, one of the things making sure and knew I said, hey, hey, bud, I said, uh, you know, you got your word. And, you know, he's like, yes. And Tammy's like, he's got three of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real miles point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but just saying like, don't leave home without it. And, you know, when talking with Jaden, my youngest, and we walked through Psalm 1, you know, blessed is the man who meditates on God's word. And I said, Jaden, you know, if there's anything that's marked my life, it's been the word of God. And I remember after coming to faith in Christ, I'm in high school and, uh, you know, one day we we're having a youth group thing and, and and we were talking about the word of God and made the decision to carry my word everywhere. So I'd sit in study hall in high school and they're like, Miles, what do you got there? I'm like, that's my Bible. And I would read it. And literally I don't travel. I don't travel anywhere without my Bible with me. And I'd rather lose myself. There's a whole bunch of stuff I'd rather lose. Um, and the only time like i like anxiety, like the thought of losing my Bible because it's such a beautiful thing. It's so powerful, and it's transformed my life.
0: I love that, and I'm sure, Laura, you do the same. You go nowhere without your Bible. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put you on the spot there. <laughs> well,
4: uh, yeah, the awkward thing is, I actually use an electronic. Yeah, I mean, Bible a lot of people now. do. So, yes, uh, yeah. But you, I, you've I know got it's twenty five versions popular. of the Bible.
0: Yeah, on Yeah, exactly. Which is great. <laughs> I mean some of the study Bibles you have as apps on your phone are yeah. phenomenal.
2: Oh, they yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, um when I was in seminary I used to take like a book, a rolling book bag, uh my carry book bag and my lunch, and I'd leave for the day to to go to school and uh you know, carrying all that stuff. And now, you know, with Logos Bible software, it can just be on my computer. And that's like a lot lighter.
0: It is a lot lighter. All right, let's do some practical application. Let's jump into God's Word. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. I think we're going to tackle a toughie today. Is that sound
2: about right to you, David and Rosie? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's the
3: one that follows
2: anger. It is. And uh, we're going to be addressing the issue of lust and biblical sexuality. And so why don't I start by reading God's Word and we can jump in because if there's ever a area or subject... That really needs to be um, bathed in that. It's God's Word. So, or excuse me, this area. Jesus said, You have heard it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members then let your whole body go into hell.
0: All right, that's that needs some context and it needs some interpretation because I don't see a lot of people walking around with a gouged out eye and a lot of people walking around with a sawed off hand, but there's certainly a, a major lust issue problem in our world today.
2: Yeah. this. What this, does it mean? This area, um, it, it starts off by Jesus saying, you know, you've heard it say you shouldn't commit adultery. And um, he starts by getting, again, to the heart issue. He says that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery um, in their heart. And like we talked about when we covered anger, you know, the difference between manslaughter and premeditated first degree is that there's actually a thought um, that leads to this. And so um, I remember in college that, you know, having – Having conversations with some of the student athletes uh, about biblical sexuality and stuff, and they'd be like, "You know, Dave, I can't, I can't help it. You know, this just happened. This just happened last night." I said, "Really? You mean you were just walking down the street and you just found yourself in that situation?" And they're like, "Well, no." So yeah, so there's some steps, <laughs>
4: <laughs> some choosing along the way happened somewhere, yeah.
2: <gasps> and there's some steps that took place to bring you to that part. And, and and Jesus is saying that there's an intent, you know, that in our heart that we're We're imagining and we're seeing that. Um, Going back to the Old Testament, Lori, that, you know, David first saw Bathsheba and thought stuff before he actually followed through on the action itself.
0: All right. We're going to tackle this some more after the break. We're uh, talking about lust and adultery as we continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount. That very famous couple of chapters in Matthew 5 through 7. We've got... uh, Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., and a special guest Lori Besson is in studio with us. She is from the um, Village School of the Bible.org. We'll be right back. Smoky Room, doesn't it? <laughs>
4: that song? It does. I like it.
0: It's the Monday afternoon mix. Yes, yes. yes. We've got uh, Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., and David brought a friend in, uh, Lori Bessonen. She's the executive director of the Village School of the Bible. She wants everyone to get biblically literate. And you made an interesting comment, Lori, during the break when we were talking about um, the topic at hand, which is uh, lost adultery. And you had a passage from 1 John that was meaningful to you.
4: Yeah, I in terms of sexuality, I was single for many, many years. I didn't get married until I was in my 40s. And I remember in 1 John 5, 3 reading that it said that God's commands were not burdensome. And yet some of these commands about uh, staying pure sexually were very difficult uh, to not view as burdensome um, as a single. And yet I... Uh, know that god gives us his commands because of his love he wants to protect us and he wants to provide for us what his best is and so that's a a way to frame some of these commands is to remember that they're not meant to be burdensome but they're given out of love
0: i appreciate your honesty Lori.
2: yeah i love that too and i mean you know there's times where we think, oh man, you know, God's, God's being a party pooper, um, on this, but God's like, no, I'm looking out for your very good and for your very best. And I really have made something. God created, you know, man and woman. He created this beautiful thing called sex and that there's, there's a right and proper way for that to happen. And when we go outside of that, one man, one woman for life, it leads to, you know, as a uh, uh, Dr. C. Ben Mitchell, who is my um, apologetics professor at Trinity, he said it leads to heartbreak, hurt, um, destruction, disillusion, and the like, and we see that unfolding right in front of us today. And so that's where the second part of the passage it helps to make sense when you know when Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body uh, go into hell. And when he's talking about this, he's speaking figuratively, you Mm -hmm. know, so um, please don't do that. Um, You know, he's not literally meaning to gouge out an eye or something as Dr. Bruce Barton notes in his commentary on Matthew. But he's saying, listen, if it were the only choice— it would be better to go into eternal life with one eye and one hand than to go to hell physically intact. Mm. And when you talk to people um, who've been consumed by the addiction of of sex and of lust, it, it literally feels like a living hell. So
3: you know what I love about that, too, is I I think there's so much in Scripture that's Exactly precise to what the Lord wants. You know, he mentions his eye first. I mean, I think often we look first and the hand is, to me, more like the action of coming through, you know, the next step is you might see something and then the hand represents walking into it and actually acting out whatever you've seen. And I think that's the difficulty in, in the world today, especially with pornography and its access, is that they're not just looking anymore. It's an action that people are involved in. And it's just it's horrifically tying their soul and their spirit and and just disintegrating it.
2: Well it's interesting the timeliness of of this. Um you know, one is noted Barna noted that fifty-seven percent of pastors admit to struggling with pornography either currently or in the past. And uh this this morning I got a phone call from someone I know, and it was basically that his his um you know their son had been looking online at something and came across this. And so there was kind of just a real, you know, panic and concern for a young boy, you know, being exposed to that. And that's kind of what's happened with a number of young men is being exposed to it at at a young age. And um, my youth pastor, when I was in Ohio, Jason Shin, he had did a uh, parent seminar on this entitled Growing Up Where Porn is the Norm. And he said to the parents, he goes, it's not necessarily a question of if your child will see it, it's when they will see it. And how do we shepherd them through that reality? Because guys, they, I mean, like they use sex to sell everything, like dog food. It just seems like it's that ubiquitous all over the place. And, you know, the important for us to come back to what does God's word say about this? You know, what does... Ultimate love, which is other-centered, look like it looks like in the person of Jesus Christ. So when Ephesians five one says, "Be imitators of love," you know, as Christ, that's our model. That that that's our picture. You know, not MTV awards or something. So mm-hmm. that comes back to why we have Lori here today and 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 why we we talk about this on the Monday afternoon mix. It's it's scripture. It's God's word guiding us in love. And like you said, Lori, his commands are not burdensome.
0: I love that. Here's a passage from 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I had another question come in, texted to me. Can you address the difficulty when a wife refuses the husband intimacy? Anyone want to talk?
2: Let's see. Can you repeat the question? <laughs>
0: Can you address the difficulty when a wife refuses the husband's intimacy? So the husband is making a, uh, obviously making a, a move for intimacy, mm-hmm. and she's refusing it.
2: Well, you know, I remember... That's how I read it, anyway. I remember Dr. Kevin Lehman wrote a book called Sex Begins in the Kitchen. And it was the idea that, you know, it's, it's an all-day relationship and not just, you know, you consuming your wife... For your own ends and purposes, you know? Um, So I would say that there's, there's, there's some dynamics that are play that are going on that would need to be addressed. It's not just like, oh, she's refusing you like, all right, what's happening with the communication? What's happening with the love? What's happening with the serving one another? What's happening with areas of forgiveness? What's happening with things? um, And both men and women have this with, with issues that are, that have happened uh, in their life um, I, I one of my my worst memories about my time at North Dakota State University as a student athlete was that in every single semester that I was in school there, I had a friend of mine, mainly female, but also some guys who came and shared about someone violating them sexually mm. hated it it 's like i and and love to tell you that that stopped afterwards, no. And, you know, and it's, and it's, it's, it's very, yeah, just very frustrating. I think you know?
3: the issue is both, you know, in that kind of scenario is mm-hmm. both emotional, spiritual and physical, right? They all three have to be at play. And at, when you are in relationship with your spouse, that's such a privileged, holy ground. And I know scripture says that you should not withhold anything from your spouse. In the physical without consent, yes. But um, I think that privileged ground of knowing where your spouse is, because I think this goes back and forth. I don't think it's just wives. I think it's back, you know, husbands as well. And that ability to have that opportunity to say, what is going on? You know, where is your heart? Where are you depleted? You know, there's so many different ways to love and physical love kind of is the output of all the spiritual and emotional love that goes
2: first. Yeah, and I think one of one of one gentleman had noted that God has really made us for oneness in that type of relationship. You know, oftentimes we settle for peace. Um, peace isn't war, but it's also not oneness or fellowship. And so, um, you know, really taking an honest look at your relationship. And I just want to just make this real, real clear because someone brought up the verse. Um, I want to make sure you're not weaponizing the Word of God against your spouse. And, um, you know, I think we covered uh, before we're about loving one another. You know, Jesus says, love one another, you know, just as I look. But notice the order. It's you love one another, not the other one love you. So how about we start with us being the person who, you know— uh, institutes and and makes the step towards love. Another thing, Bill. A few uh, weeks ago, we had Dr. Gary Chapman and uh, Dr. Clarence Schuler on, and Dr. Chapman wrote a book, The Five Love Languages. You know, so how are you loving and and even that? How does your spouse receive love? You know, and so thinking through that, and as as um, Rosie has rightfully noted, it's not even just a you know, just a gender thing, I mean, like we're wired um differently we have we have different ways that we receive and give love and to be mindful of that and to submit ourselves to Christ mm-hmm.
4: I just can't get out of my mind the word cherished, and if you cherish truly cherish something, you're gonna pursue that something, right? If you really love the Vikings, hey, you're gonna be front row seat, even if it's on your couch. Uh, you're going to be there when the kickoff. With a very broken heart, yes. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the best example. That's not a good example. (laughs) Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, the word cherish just comes to mind. I love that
0: word, Lori. That's a terrific word. I I hope you all enjoy that word today and spend time thinking about it, meditating on it, the word cherish. Um, Monday Afternoon Mix has had a special guest today, Lori Besson, and she's the executive director of the Village School of the Bible, Thank you so much for being here. It's been nice having you in on the conversation. David, always a pleasure. Rosie B., the best. All right, we'll take a little break. We're going to continue with Todd Mulliken. We're going to ask some of these questions, continue discussing relationships and the best way to bring out the best in each other. That's all next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support.